Welcome to season five of the podcast of the Urban Mystic. In this season, we're exploring relational spirituality. It's rooted in the drawing near and withdrawing of God, and it's really and we're really presenting it as an alternative to devotional, formative, and introspective spiritualities. This conversation builds and clarifies some of what we were speaking about in episode two. Yeah, we distinguish between God's non-relational relationships and God's relational relationships. That might sound like a bit of a mouthful, but it really comes together in how we talk about human-to-human relationships and um, the relationship that we can have to God as an idea within us, as opposed to we can have ideas about God, but we can still relate to God as the person who draws near in person to speak and act, and then also withdraws. I, I, must, I must admit, Steve, I, I've got very limited like, vocabulary for, for, for some things, and with, with other things I've got a little bit more vocabulary. And, and usually the things that I spend a lot of time with and I work out for, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of vocabulary. Now, I tend to think that depending on what your interests are as a person, that vocabulary is going to look very different, right? So when it comes to plants, I have, I've got, a, I've got words that, that, that capture a wide range without nuance right so generally (laughs) (laughs) on the ocean you've got ships and boats and uh, some have you know like like some are for entertainment some are commercial some are military i've got some differentiation there but ships and boats is a very loose category and what i sometimes call a boat other people call a ship and what i call a ship other people call a boat so i can use language (laughs) imprecisely and and I can know what I'm referring to, and if someone knows me and we have a conversation, we can we can know what you're referring to, and and I feel like with this this track that we're on on trying to define the presence of God and relational engagement with God, it's the same kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so in other areas of my life, it's the same thing. You know, when I go hiking, I, like Fainboss is a huge category, but don't ask me to differentiate. I can you know, can pick up proteas <laughs> because I know them or like, like a few other things. But, but in general, I wouldn't know things. But I've gone hiking with people that they can literally tell me every single plant. They can stop mm. and they scratch and they sniff and they taste and they bite everything along the way. <laughs> like, mm. And they've got, they've got huge knowledge about what they're used for and, you know, the biodiversity and all that kind of stuff. And so, so one of the problems I feel with this as a subject in, as a whole and the, the whole thing of experiencing God is I feel that in general and in popular usage, we've got very imprecise, broad language, and we get frustrated when talking amongst ourselves and talking with other people because we often start off by feeling that because we have the same language, we actually understand what we're saying and, what, and we mean the same things, and other people hear the same things when we use that language. And it's mm. only when we start talking, we explore things a little bit further that we discover whether or not that is the case. I feel like, and I, you know, and, and we were just talking before this, that when it comes to the idea of experiencing God, we use that phrase. People use phrases like God showed up or God spoke to me or I experienced God. Mm. And they use it in a very broad way. But depending on the church tradition people are from, depending on the life experience people are into, depending on mm. how precisely they're trying to dive into a topic like we are here, we will, we will run into frustrations unless we end up with broader and more precise language to grapple with what it is we're speaking about under, you know, in different environments or 
different cir circumstances, you know, we've got to clarify this. We've got to lend scope to those phrases of God showed up or God spoke to me or I heard God or I'm experiencing God. Or And that's a really difficult thing. You know, the first thought comes to mind, it's a very difficult thing to do because it's, it's a rather arrogant position to take to just walk up to somebody in the street and say, hey, you used the language uh, God spoke to me. You're wrong. And then somebody else in the church, hey, you use the language God spoke to me, but you're wrong. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. And so it's a difficult space, I feel, to go into, but it's a really, really important one because there are discrepancies. And by discrepancy, even there, like I listen to that word and I go, oh, discrepancy, like value judgment, hierarchy around who's right and who's wrong. Um, yeah, it's a risky thing space to go but but to my mind and i'm with you i think this clarity is really important it's something we're pushing for to my mind when i'm sitting in a room with a number of different people and similar phrases are being used but you just get the sense we're saying different things then to some extent it's less important for me on a general scale to be pointing fingers around and going well i'm right you're wrong you're right i'm wrong etc so much as to just to just pass out, P-A-R-S-E, like pass out, like sketch out what is actually being said and what is actually being meant. And in that, I think in what we're trying to push towards, we've got to be clear and clearer and as clear as we can be. What are we actually saying? Because, you know, it's something I notice as well. I scratch around and I reach out for language and I come up with, well, God said, God spoke to me, God showed up, you know. And okay, so how do I want to be very, very precise with what I mean by that? And so, you know, it, it's a bit of a minefield, but I think it's a space that we just have to go. I feel really compelled to go. And I was thinking about it after our conversation from last week to just get clearer and clearer around what we're saying and where that might differ from individuals, institutions, systems, etc. And it might lend further scope to what we spoke about last week, those three categories that, that hinge off the idea of intra-internal uh, relationship and inter-relationship between two, two, two or more agents. And so, yeah, yeah I, think that's, I, mean, I think that's a valuable space for us to just <laughs> attempt to, to, to walk through this evening and chat through and see, see where we end up. When we're speaking about experience of God, we actually have a we've got a continuum in mind, a continuum of experience, which is quite broad. And depending on the life experience that people have, they may be exposed to different experiences along that continuum. And so depending on how clearly one leans to the, you know, like on the one extreme, you've got complete undifferentiation. How does God speak? God speaks in and through everything. And you just have to dial into your awareness because you're never separate from the voice of God because God's voice is creation, yourself, the tapestry of life, etc. So on one end of the spectrum, there's no clear um, showing up of God because God is speaking through everything and it's your attunement that matters rather than, you know, a specific experience as though God speaks in a very special way, right? God speaks through the general, general, well, my goodness, I don't think I could pronounce that. 
God speaks <laughs> <laughs> through the general generalism. I don't know. I can't. <laughs> through the general of life. Through the general, through the general, right? <laughs> and then on the other end of the spectrum is the idea that God speaks in person. God isn't using anything else to speak. God shows up in person and speaks to you. And there's a number of ways in which God can do that. But what's key at that end of the spectrum is the direct and, and immediate. And then in between, we've got a, a whole bunch of things, which is where our practices of worship, service, devotions, spirituality, etc., etc., you know, service to others, we understand that God speaks in and through those things as well. And they're kind of the middle ground. As I think about it, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and so I, yeah, my, <laughs> my immediate response is, as we've chatted a little bit of this through beforehand and prep, and just as I hear you now is, okay, so now we need to drill down into each of those spots on that continuum and start to be very, very clear. Because already we're using language again of, you know, God is everywhere. God doesn't need to show up. And I'm aware of just how trapped we are in some of this jargon, some of this, some of this common usage language. And the need to go, okay, well, what do we mean by God is always there? We need to, you know, attune our awareness, et cetera. What is that? How is that different between God showing up? What process is that of continual presence versus absence and presence? What is the other end of the of that spectrum look like, that continuum where, where God is is showing up as a person? And, and, and then just touch on some of the points in between and perhaps just note the degrees of change as you move along uh, and the differences there. That's, that's some of my first thoughts. But I, I think that would be a helpful, a helpful uh, continuum. And I, th I think in some ways resonates with the idea of moving from an intra to an inter process. And it, I, I would make... I think perhaps one comment of distinction in that movement from an intra to an inter is not necessarily a, a, a worse for better movement. It's not the, we're not leaving behind intra process so that we can move towards inter process and that's, that's better. Intra, you know, it's part of what we were trying to dig into last week. Intra process is also very important. It's as important as inter process but they are different things and they achieve different things, um, I, I feel. And so understanding also, I guess, these points of the spectrum is, is understanding what, what do they and what don't they achieve. And perhaps that's where we're going to be measuring that a little bit against this idea of presence of God and, and God as personhood and God speaking, etc. The, the relating to God as person rather than concept that what might help and, and here's where as we dig into it you know our curiosity and interest opens up language and then categories emerge and we you know we start going well you know on one hand we've got this on the other hand we've got that and you know and let's dive into detail here and create broad brushstrokes there I, th I think still in the camp of broad br brushstrokes on one hand we have the ways the variety of ways and re that god relates on the other hand we have a continuum about how, how God speaks 
and how God, how clearly God is showing up in person when speaking. And I think we almost have to put those two together. Um, just to take it a step further, <laughs> I, I often think of God relating as creator and sustainer and as relating in relationally. To relate as creator and sustainer is not a personal relationship. I mean, of course it's personal. Every artist, every creator, every project that you invest in, you're deeply invested in. Of course, it's it's personal in that sense. But to relate in an undifferentiated way, everywhere, to everyone, throughout time and space, uh, impartially, is not very relational. Because... God is as present in the phone on my table as God is amongst the, someone getting mugged down the road or at, at the hospital dying, to a mm. baby being born, to floods that are happening up in Durban, <laughs> you know, mm. to you know any of those things. In that sense, as sustainer, yes, God is intimately present in each of those circumstances, but God's not relationally presence, present in the sense of stepping forward in person to speak or act or engage or hold an opinion or be involved in the situation or anything like that. And so God's relationship as creator and sustainer to me is, is, is it's an objective relationship. There's no difference between God relating to me by being present in the bottle of water next to my desk mm. as, as God relating to me. Why? Because I'm alive and I've got emotions and I can, you know, I can exist, right? Mm. None of that really informs me like none of that is really a special relationship it's a general relationship but then there's god showing up in person to relate to me god draws near very much very intentionally in person to go i want you to see me for who i am because when mm. i look at everything and i go oh my goodness there's there's uh there's situations that i know like with these f floods where people have lost people i can look at them and go god doesn't care mm. you know or i could look at another situation where you know, a, 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 a child is born and I can go, oh my goodness, God does care. But I'm having to find the meaning. I'm having to make something. Like those events are going to change my picture, my relation to them, changes my view on God. And yet God undifferentiatingly causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, you know, to loosely paraphrase, mm. right? And, and mm. one bird to fall to the ground and die and another to, you know, like live, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Um, or, or making the hair longer in your head, <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> any of those, any of those bad quotes that I'm referring to, right? God, God's impartial there. But when we're talking about God relating, we're between you and I, we're leaning towards the God shows up in a special way. God shows up in a way in which we, we don't get to go, you do or don't care. We get, we get to see how God does care. And if God got in, involved personally in a situation, it would turn out differently for God to bring healing, restoration, you know, the way God speaks and acts to heal and restore and to forgive and reconcile people and all of those kind of things. Those are special activities. You don't get to that through, you know, does God care that, you know, clearly not tsunamis, volcanoes, economic crises, etc., etc. Does God care? Oh, no, landed a good business contract or, you know, uh, you know, the tree didn't mm. fall on me, so I'm alive, God loves me. You know, like, there's a difference between the two. So I think on one hand there's that, and then on the other hand we've got this continuum of, so what does it mean to hear the voice of God? You know, through, and, and there it's from, it's, it's a similar framework because we are also moving from the general, the potentiality that, of course, God can speak through any and all things, 
but that's not the same as as on the other end of the spectrum there's the um personal self-disclosure the stepping up in person to be known and to relate and to say something in the first person in the present to someone in the here and now as opposed to rely on the medium or the tapestry of an institution or a society or a text or a history or a okay great let's let's look at let's look at some of those in a little bit more detail those points that you're making and try and i want to say i want to sort of concretize them in some way that just makes them unavoidably easy easy to uh, to digest when i think of the idea of relating i think of the human to human space because i have the most sort of sort of nails to hang hats on in human to human relation and i think about that from an intra perspective i think internally of myself as a human relating to myself as a human and i understand the different parts of myself etc and so i use in some ways the models of human to human interaction that i've learned and i can go okay well i can relate to myself i i have experienced patience kindness forgiveness grace love uh challenge anger etc etc from other humans and i can use some of those and and i can figure out better and better ways that i self relate self to self right but i also have this the inter process which is me and you me and my wife me and my children me and friends me and other sorts of people and and i find those to be quite helpful ways in which to to try to understand what what is potentially quite a quite a difficult or you know i think that's why people you know we we tend towards the idea of the mystery etc etc it's it's less easy to just codify <laughs> this thing between god as it is human to human right and, and the self and so when i hear you speak in the first point about the creator sustainer just that very general thing i think of a family situation and i think well i'm a parent i have children so in some way shape and form i am both a creator i had a part in bringing them to be on this planet and i'm a sustainer i go about things every day that that enable their life to flow the way it does and it's so i'm not going to get into the creator thing you know anyone with a little bit of biology behind them is going to be able to understand what the hell i'm talking about there so the creator is quite simple they're here because of me me and my wife the sustainer happens you know today i was doing laundry and i folded some clothes and i put them in cupboards so tonight and tomorrow my kids would be able to go to their cupboards and they'll find pajamas for tonight they'll find clothes to wear to school tomorrow etc and in some general way they will experience me through those things that i do that just allows their life to take over sometimes it's a little bit more personal i guess and that's perhaps now we're stepping into the continuum space uh, essentially from from the general where you you're talking about to the personal sometimes they will come to me face to face and say i'm hungry and and this is okay so i pause because this is one of the spaces that i feel that we need to pause so i can respond in a very general way and sometimes and and i i would admit this is cuz it's true unfortunately but also hopefully it helps just to illustrate sometimes i'm on a phone call or i'm listening to music or even worse like i'm on netflix or something while my kids are coming to talk to me and i respond in a very general way i kind of acknowledge their request they i'm hungry can i have something to eat dad 
and I sort of and I go and get them something to eat, and I put it on the table, and they go and eat. That's a very general, sustainer way of responding. Little eye contact, very little verbal contact, very little. Now you know. Now we get to some of the emotions. Very little interest shown. Very little personal. You're a you, and I see a little you that needs some attention, some time, some input, some whatever it is, and and I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that in such a way that takes you seriously, but also takes me seriously. So there's part of the interaction you get to know your dad a little bit better, and I get to know my child a little bit better. Okay, but I just put food on the table and they eat. That's still a very general, you know. And I'm going to ask you at the end of this, like. Yes, no, question mark. Am I, am I getting what you're saying? Yes. You know? yeah. But there are times when they'll say, hey, I'm hungry. And I'll go, wow, of course. And, and I stop everything else I'm doing. And they come and they make a sandwich with me. And while we're doing that, I'm asking, how was your day? And hey, have you tried this before? And oh, I bought something special for you. Would you like this on your bread? Or, and, and then we'll sit and we'll eat together and we'll talk some more. And there's eye contact and Sometimes I'll say, oh, you know why I bought this for you? Because my daddy used to make that for me when I was a kid. It was really special for me. Now I'm self-disclosing. Now I'm letting them further into my world just through the very general sustenance sort of space. But there's a lot more relational sustenance going on there than just the very general, you know, their physical kind of blah, blah, general well-being. And I think... I think in those terms, when I hear you speak, and I'm wondering if A, if I'm tracking with you. 100%. And awesome. And B, <laughs> we'll come back to that 100% uh, if you want to comment. And B, just that I think there are times when I just give them a meal and that's okay. But there's times when, we, when, we, when I do more than just meet their, their physical need for food. I meet a relational need. I meet an intellectual need if I teach them something about making a sandwich while we're doing it. I meet an emotional need. And there is a, there's a sense of this inter, this interplay between the two of us. They, I encourage to self-disclose, to be themselves, to, um, to show up their present, you know, in the same way that, I'll take a step back. They can come and ask for food and they can bugger off upstairs. <laughs> and then I just shout upstairs, food's ready. And they come down. I leave the kitchen as they walk in. They're absent while I fulfill their request and meet that need. And then I'm absent while they enjoy the sustenance of the need that's met. Or we can both be very present. And by present, I mean, we're physically present. We sit across the table from each other. But there are body language presences there that happen eye contact perhaps a touch a smile there's verbal presence contact we speak but then the quality of the verbal connection is also really important because we don't just talk like oh look at the weather oh it's wonderful oh there's a tree oh wow a squirrel we talk at a deeper level around who are you and who am i and how do we relate to each other and how do we build strengthen and grow this bond that we have, which is our relationship together. Um, and so there's all those facets of what it means to be present, to show up, to, to speak, etc. And that's, that's the language when I want to think about kind of example that, that comes to mind. Um, and so 
I thought I had a question there, but in true ice style, I don't really. I have a waffle, and I'm just going to kick it back to you and see what you think. So I say 100%. Two relational examples I'd, I'd put on the table as well is one, like the relationship with a public figure, say a politician. You know, mm. it's that's you, you, your examples are in the immediate family context, and I, yes. I like the, I like the thing of of your children showing up to the meal as well, as opposed to just foraging and fending for you know, and then going enjoying it <laughs> on their own, yeah. and you as a parent, and 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 how from both sides, those those basic life events can have uh, very mixed experiences, based on how either party is showing up for each other. You know, when it comes to content delivery from politicians, you know, in speeches or any public speaker in that sense, you're, you're dealing with a very non-relational relationship. You've got you've got a sense of who that person is, but you don't actually, you can't say you know them. You can't say yeah. you really know what they're about. Although, you know, cancel culture says you can, <laughs> but I don't think it's as, it's, it's as nuanced as, as that. And then the other box is you've got two people as lovers showing up for each other. And mm. and there's very different senses of of the needs and the ones and the interplay there. And even within that, you can have two people engaged in an activity that one person has their mind has wandered off and they've left. Yeah. But you've got the sensitivity. Where did you go? Where's your mind wandered to? You know, yes. what are you thinking of? Because you're no longer present with me yet, even if you are with me. And, yes. and I think I think so we've got this wide range. Um, the challenge when it comes to spirituality is if we're putting everything into a mystery and the silence box and we're putting everything into the general box, we don't have any of the special. Mm. You know, we don't have any of the relationally reciprocal in that sense because we're left with the mystery. How is God speaking to me? Oh, well, you know, perhaps it was fated. You know, I lost my family in a flood. You know, how's God speaking to me? Oh, well. I'm clearly, clearly I'm blessed and blessing is a sign of, of God. And so if I've got a lot of wealth, God speaks to me and therefore I'm in the right, you know, and we've got those themes played out in scripture, you know, where people wrestled with precisely those kind of things as well, you know, of, of, you know, you know, Job is a prime example where there's a number of problems that are put on the table that they wrestle with. So I think, I think this is, this is very, this is very important because when we speak about how God speaks, <laughs> I think the tendency is towards for non-religious people, the tendency is often towards the general, like the general, general, <laughs> I'm not going to go near the word. <laughs> it's very non-specific. It's, it's through, it's through the mystery of life really. And it's through coincidence and it's, it's, you know, we can, we can even dig into language of synchronicity. It's through synchronicity, mm. you know, or through culture flow or, you know, opportunity flow, whatever, you know, we, we can say God speaks through that for people that are in the more religious box, depending on the religion they're in. And, you know, you can take us as Christians, for example, the idea is how does God speak? God speaks through scripture. God spoke through Jesus. Scripture's left to us. We continue doing church. We do all these spiritual things. God speaks through those things. And I think in those things, we we're dealing with, you know, more the needs, the internal needs and character formation, relational stuff. And the answer is, is yes, God does speak through the general, God does speak through those activities and services, but there's also the individual themselves and the question of, of what they remember, their intuition, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those God speaks through. And that's, that's where it becomes difficult because I think, I think when it comes to spirituality, 
when we've got a spirituality like we we commented on last week without the language for god drawing near in a personal intimate way and withdrawing all we've got is the general and with the general all we've got is mystery and with mystery all we've got is silence and absence effectively because god is not showing up in person god's personal attention is not involved we don't feel that personal attention and god's mm. not receiving our personal attention either um so so yeah just yeah that's <laughs> again uh, yeah you know like like you i don't have a specific question there or a, you know but i was i was, I was just tapping off what you'd said <laughs> so I just want to bring you back to, I think, two points. And the first is clearer for me. So let's start there. You use the language of special. Let's drill down into that a little bit because that, that's, that is a word that could mean a number of different things. And I want us to be, I, want, I just want to be clear in what you're saying. Special could mean some of what we hear, which is, yes, sometimes God will speak to you, but that's special happens three times in your life. Or, yes, God will speak to you, but it's special. It's about legs growing back and, you know, tornadoes moving away from towns with orphanages in them. Or, you know, I'm being a little facetious here, but special also seems to mean rare. Or it means only highly valuable life moments. And I've, and I've also heard people talk about um, sort of the similar, this, this special category. It's almost a case of, what am I trying to say here? I had it for a second, it's gone. Something along the lines of kind of, you have these special moments. These rare and exceptional moments, yeah. Yeah, but it's almost, it's about something very peculiar, not strange, peculiar, separated. It's, it is rare. And as a rare occurrence, but that's something it's, it's almost as if that's something God would speak on. God, God is not going to speak to you about something pedestrian, which could be an everyday thing. It would be something big, something huge, something important, which kind of is in the first category, I guess, of it'll only happen two, three times in your life. There was just an edge there that I was trying to bring back, bring up, bring out, which, which perhaps I'll come back to or not. But that language of special, because I, I'm not certain I hear you using it that in, using it in that in those ways. Talk a little bit more about what do you mean by special when you talk about God speaking or God acting? Or well, I, I, I'll, sure. I mean, thank thank you for highlighting that. It gives a lot of clarity as to as to why it's often difficult for people to relate when I use the language of God speaking. Because when you when you use special like that, it comes down to rare and exceptional rather than special in the sense of 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 intimate of, of consistent of consistent commu communication, right? And and hence I think a lot of people will will talk about mountaintop experience as being those special moments. Whereas I'm thinking, I'm thinking something different, and I, I guess that the the contrast to get away from is is the Christian usage of general and special revelation. You know, ge general revelation, God speaks through everything. Special revelation, God speaks through Scripture. Like that's really what it comes down to. You know, God spoke to a whole bunch of people, and it was the incarnation. You know, brief period. You know, and giving up the weekend to save the world, kind of thing. You know, and all eternity for everyone. And, and those were all special, but. 
but we, we don't have access to any of that today. So that's that's where the general versus special revelation box fits in within 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 Christianity. And then we've got the language of its progressive revelation in the sense that, you know, you've got this unfolding revelation that builds. We build a picture of God over time. And again, that's contained in the Bible. You know, so we know who God is. We just have to go there. So so I'm not meaning it in that sense. It's not actually a comment for me about scripture. But I like your, your nuance there of going, you know, specialism, those those peak events, you know, like the two or three times in your life that you might hear from God kind of thing, you know, all the once off or anything like that. I, I don't mean that either. What I mean is is those events that people report that have those, that long-standing impact of their life, I think it's a window and an opening to the potential ways in which God could speak. And in a mature, developed relationship of that that involves like true, deep relational intimacy and 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 uh, living together in life, you sp- you speak often from anything from the mundane to the special, like in that quote-unquote special sense, right? You, you know, and there there a clear example is couples. You know, couples that have got to manage life that involves kids and two careers and you know, themselves and their interests, etc., etc. There's constant communication or constant miscommunication. And and at the same time, you've still got two people in a healthy relationship. They're still making time to hear each other and see each other. And in that sense, the, their relationship is special because of the, the boundaries and the consistency, but it's also special in the sense of those tender moments of really seeing each other, hearing each other, meeting with each other. So so when I'm thinking special, I'm thinking of a, of a larger box that captures the full range of ways in which God speaks very directly to us rather than indirectly to us. Um, I, I don't know if that's clear enough or if we've got to tease that out a bit more. No, that's good. I, I have the sense that you're talking about that you're talking about the quality of the connection. Yes. Yeah. Not the frequency of occurrence of connection. Yeah. Because yeah, I think that's. Um, ooh, ooh, I actually, I sorry, I, I want to interject with something quickly. Please do. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I feel like the, the the charismatic and the Pentecostal spiritualities, even when they're birthed in renewal, like during my my experience with the vineyard and that, end up being not relational spiritualities because they're about the prophetic or the power encounter. So yes, it's mm. special that God pitches up and says, "I want to heal someone," and that person gets healed. Wonderful. But that's that's that becomes on par with your kids going, "Hey, I'm hungry." Mm. You you can you can care about what you do for them to bring good stuff to them, but it, but the goal is to go beyond that to an intimate relationship, to a deeper relationship and a relational engagement. And I think that the the the, the hassle that we have is that our spiritualities either go very wonky. And they go wonky because you've got a movement that goes, it's only, you know, you've got movements that emerge after that that are going, it's all about faith. We can't say that God is never here. We lose any language for God drawing near and withdrawing. So everything's God. And then it goes a bit weird and it goes very traditional. And then you've got other people that try to reduce it to specific phenomena. Oh, it's the falling over. Oh, it's the speaking in tongues. Oh, it's the, you know, laughing like a maniac. Oh, it's this and oh, it's that. So if we got these things, if we've got these things happening in volume and all over the place, then clearly this evidence is that God's there. And and we keep those things going and it becomes hyped and mm. manipulated and, mm. you know, it, it becomes very stagey. But none of those are very, none of those are relational 
you know, none of those are leading to deeper relational encounter and growth. And so, so yeah, I just think that um, one of the ways that I'm trying to carve out the, the language as being slightly different is that, yes, of course, it includes the, the miraculous. It includes the peak experiences that people have. It includes the, 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 the full range, you know, even down to the what language other people use, synchronicities or the accidents in life, right? Sure. Mm. Let's keep mm. that full range. But I'm, I, what I'm wanting to, to really tease out and focus on is that although we have that, we don't actually have very clear language around this, um, this, this, this end of the spectrum where there's two persons and one is the divine person showing up to engage the human person. Mm. And, and when I start to think about special, I'm thinking about the fuller, the fuller ways in which those two people can meet each other and may or may not meet each other because God might be trying to show up and we could be the equivalent of the kids arriving for what we need and then taking it off to enjoy it on our own. Mm. Or, or we could be wanting to show up and God's just not ready and not around. And mm. we tend to have language of the always on tap availability of God, provided you've got all your ducks in a row. Of course, mm. God's available mm. to you. And you know, the reality is that God isn't. You know, and, mm. and we don't actually have a picture of God being always available in that sense in Scripture. Right from the start, we've got that language of God draws near in the evening to walk with Adam and Eve. Where's God during the rest of the day? Well, clearly not available. <laughs> you know, so, so, so I mm. think in some ways, I, you know, we want to recapture that unavailability as well. We want to recapture the God is not listening or God is not present language in this as well. Now that is a massive chunk that we need to get to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and is and is really tempting, but I I would suggest that we park that for a moment because we need to get there. But I want to dig back into what you're talking about in terms of the special. So, if I think about from a couple's perspective, there's a couple of things that I hear you saying. I think first point from a couple's perspective, you can have. You can celebrate the anniversaries, one year, five year, 10 year, 15, 20, 25, let's say, right? And the bigger ones, you know, you can have like a really romantic evening out or a party with friends to acknowledge that, that moment. It's a very special moment. Um, weekend away for a five year, 10 year, whatever it is, you know, some big stuff. And you can also in between, you know, you can go to dinner together, go to a movie, go for a walk, whatever it is, all right? But there's a quality question attached to that here that, that we're trying to put our, our finger on. So similar to the family analogy or the family metaphor around the kids can ask for food and the food can be provided. But the quality of relational depth is in more than just the sustenance. And so... People who go for a walk together, but kind of comment on, oh, it's a bit cold today. And, oh, look, it's spring is starting. Oh, now, yeah, immediately I feel we're in tricky t territory and I've got to put a whole bunch of caveats in, but I'll, I'll get to those perhaps. Just, I would question the depth of relationship for people who have a date night, let's say, every weekend or every three weeks or twice a month or whatever it might be. 
and they just go out and have a meal and talk very briefly about the kids and who's going to pick up the laundry and whatever. And then they go home as if going out to sit at a table at a restaurant and consume a meal together is a quality date night out, as opposed to the presence that we're talking about, eye contact, uh, verbal contact, physical contact, but there's also deep emotional contact, there's self-revelation, there's this is who I am, questions of who are you, potential conflict around the differences between my self-revelation and the other self-revelation and spaces where that leads to discomfort, difference, spaces of resonance around similarity, attraction, etc., etc. But that is a much yeah, I think I was just kind of going to hell for leather on this. That's a much deeper process than just kind of moving through the hoops. And, and well, definitely with my work with couples, the couples that, that are battling further and further into relationship are having more of the first kinds of dates. You're just kind of there physically, but there's an intellectual and emotional, sometimes a physical, sexual, uh, sometimes even perhaps I might say spiritual, like a disconnect, a checkout as opposed to pushing towards actually like all of these different strands of what it means to connect relationally. You know, we're going to, we're going to do that. And so caveat just quickly, if you're a couple listening, I'm not trying to suggest that anyone who goes for a walk and doesn't talk, let's say you have to talk about deep things, everything. <laughs> you still have this argument with friends of ours. So oh, what do you mean? Like every time we go for a walk, we have to talk about the most deepest, darkest parts of ourselves, etc. Like, No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if you never do that, like I've got a question there around, around the relationship that's forming and the quality of the connection. And that's part of what I hear you talking about between God and person is the two people showing up and the special is in the quality, right? Yes, yes, 100%. And, and what's interesting is, is the people that will, that will often raise objections or raise the silly responses, are you saying, Steve, they... You know, we always have to be having these deep, dark conversations, right? Mm. Those people, the people who don't get it, often have relational disconnects. The people that do get it know that that's not what you mean when you talk about mm. that, right? Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because, you know, I, I you know, I'm... I enjoy hiking and I, there's the experience of going hiking with people and on the hike, you can have periods of silence or even just mm. hike quietly, but still have a meaningful connection. Mm. And then at other points you can be, you can actually be arguing or sulking and have a very meaningful disconnection, right? Mm. Yes. Those are clear examples of, of, of two very different kinds of silence or interaction. Yeah. And so, so the problem with this is, is that, the activity is actually not the relational connection. The, we have relational connections in and around activities. It's the quality mm. of the relational connection that we're really referring to, right? Absolutely. And I think the quality, so when you talk about going walking, you can go walk in silence with someone. I think that's carried by the quality of the relational connection or disconnection. <laughs> awkward experience. I can remember being driven home. I was about 15, 16 at the time. And I was dating a girl whose dad would often drive me home from her place to my dad's place. And it was half an hour drive and we'd do them in silence. 
and it wasn't a fun, <laughs> enjoyable, connected kind of silence. It was a, I don't know who the hell you are. You don't know who the hell I am. We don't even quite like each other. We're strangers, but we're together and we're silent. It's not comfortable. It's not deep. It's not connective. And so that space was not fostered by an actual, you know, a seeking of connection one to the other. We were just thrust into the same space by a third party. And, we, you know, I was, yeah, 15 trying to figure it out to the best of my ability. It was quite miserable. Or as you say, you can have a deep connection with somebody and you can just sit quietly, walk quietly. Uh, but, but, but that is fostered by a depth of connection that, that contains other elements. And so, yeah, I, I, I used to, I used to have, you know, I'd have a look at a, at a couple on a date and an obvious date at a restaurant and they're, they're barely speaking and you just think, oh, goodness me, <laughs> somebody needs therapy. And then I realized, no, well, there's nuance there because perhaps you do need therapy or perhaps this is just a lovely evening out and you actually have the depth of a connection where you can just enjoy those moments, just eating quietly together. And there's something going on in the background or not that lends nuance to that space. I think we often use, often mystery and silence go hand in hand. So we end up with, the idea that being able to just sit with God in silence with neither party speaking is it's almost an ideal. We we can idealize it. Man, idealize is becoming like my general word <laughs> tonight. <laughs> what is it? You know, in the sense that that we feel like there's something extra special about that. And so the fact that God is being silent and not speaking to me means we have an extra special relationship. And, and so I feel like one of the things, and again, yeah, we're talking this special relationship category, right? We're talking about how ideas can be misappropriated or behaviors can be misappropriated because I can make something of God's silence that is actually very different. I can be making intimacy of a silence when we've never had a relational connection. That's very different to the intimacy that we arrive at to arrive at a silence together at some point. And that's not to say, well, then we don't speak and it's silence only because if it's silence only radio silence is not intimacy right yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of non-verbal volume going on when people are often silently together in a meaningful way you know and and the language of mystery is not meaningful like relational divine body language yeah i've heard um oh i'm gonna misquote this horribly I should probably look it up. I think it's one of my favorites, Esther Perel, who talks about you want to dial down as much of the mystery and the guessing in a relationship as possible. And I don't think from the context in which she said it, that she's saying that all mystery is bad. You know, I think there is a, there's a very beautiful element to relationships around mystery. That's not uncertainty mystery. That's not uh, insecurity mystery, but it's a very playful, attractive kind of mystery. Oh, what is she thinking? What's he going to do next? Um, is he or she going to kiss me? There's a mystery there that's quite beautiful. But when you're trying to make intentional connection and it's, what are they thinking? <laughs> are they going to tell me what they're thinking? Are they going to do something strange? Are they not? That wrecks relationships. And especially when it's 
one person having to fill in both sides of the conversation. I'm showing you and telling you who I am and you give me nothing back, so I have to fill it in for you. That just dials up anxiety, insecurity, et cetera, in relationships. And those are relationship killers. Like it's just a time bomb basically there. Um, and that's that's where the mystery element that I find, the, 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 the one voice having to speak for both voices, et cetera, that's, that's a very, very unhelpful mystery. It's an unproductive, it's, a, it's an insecure, it's, it's not a significant, playful, connective addition to the relationship mystery. And, and I think that's often quite present. Very much so, because, because there are people you know, and and you see it you see it potentially between people where one person really wants to get to know someone and the other person really doesn't want to get in you know and so someone will ask them about them and they'll shut down with one word answers, evasive answers, or basically going, No, I don't want to tell you that, right? And so that's a dimension of relationship that's very important as well. And and here here I think when it comes to again the special relationship with God I feel like we've got a framework that faith zones God in the way that that individuals might friend zone each other, hmm. you know, and you friend zone someone to stay out of the intimate space with them, to stay hmm. out of the, you've got relational needs and expectations of me that you want me to meet for your happiness. And if I don't meet them, it contributes to your unhappiness, right? Hmm. So we friend zone people that we don't want to have that role or place in our lives. And we open ourselves up to a relationship with someone that we do want to have that with. When it comes to this kind of stuff with, with, with God, I feel like there's a lot of people that use the similar kind of language that, where they basically go, oh, you, Steve, might have a, a need for a, you know, to hear God in that very special way. And then closeted it like, I'm going to go, of course, you've got the need. I've got so many opinions and ideas as to why you could have that need. But the basic mm. thing, the basic gist of that often is I don't have that need because mm. I have faith. I don't need to hear from God specifically. Mm. And because I have faith, I'm secure. So I don't need the affirmation that a quote unquote insecure person like a Tim or Steve would need because mm. you need mm. to hear God, you know, and to be affirmed by hearing God. Well, I don't need that because I've got faith. So that's another way in which I like I find people use that language sometimes as I've reflected on and engaged with them, they faith zone God in the sense that they don't need to hear God personally. And that's, that's a mark of quote unquote, their maturity and their faith. You know, they've got a relationship without having a relationship, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it uses very unrelational language to try and describe something you know, ostensibly relational. I'm, I'm not convinced that a healthy relationship exists where, where people are not verbalizing, not acting on the expression of need meeting. And I think it can be insecure. And I think, you know, I, I, would, I, would, I would try to put balance there. I think, you know, I, I think of a couple where uh, not, you know, just a, 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 not actual people, just, for example, a couple, two individuals together where the one is always saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's a highly insecure manifestation of, of the connection and affirmation and, and, and having relational interaction. And it's, and it's, uh, mm. 
it saps the energy from the relating because the emphasis is so much on the the excessive neediness of the one that there's little space for anything else. There's little space for space for for distance, for playfulness, for individuality. There's all sorts mm. of things that that are sacrificed on the altar of, you know, actually. I need you to be telling me this 400 times a day. But that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, a mutual meeting of needs in a relationship, which is a very mature expression of what it means to, to meet re deeply relationally one to another, is, well, I do need to hear you tell me that you love me. I do need you to do things for me. I do need you to express physical affection. I do need you to spend time with me. I do need you to care when I open my mouth and I have something to say. I do need you to listen. I do need you to allow me the space to be my own person. I do need, and, and there's, you know, there's a number of really, really helpful psychological theorists. Uh, there are a number of, great psychological theorists with helpful models and tools I've come across with how to understand humans' needs and, and the needs that are expressed in both in individuals and in individuals as they relate to each other. Um, and, and that is a mature manifestation of what it means to deeply relate to self and to others. I have question marks towards people who say they have no needs who express that and so I have the same question mark you know in terms of what you're raising there actually no my my needs with God are met because I can read a book I can I can visit a venue with a number of other you know proclaiming similar believers I can do a few ritualistic practices once a day a week or month or whatever it might be and that is sufficient I'm not convinced, let me put it this way, at, at possibly the, the, the most generous, I'm not sure I even want to stop there, but on the spectrum, I'm not there. Mm. I am closer to the point of believing, I'm at the space of believing that there's a person on either side and it requires taking the, the it requires taking seriously that there are two people involved, two persons, two individual agents as the foundation and then understanding that the quality of the relating experience between those two is built on the mutual meeting of needs, mutual self-disclosure, uh, verbal, nonverbal communication, time, attention, listening, the things that I would earmark as healthy human expression of relationship. I would say in the human to divine, that's all present albeit in a slightly different, perhaps I would even admit somewhat more mysterious way in that, you know, as I said last week, I think you and I can sit in the same room together face to face and it's quite easy to relate. For me, personal experience completely, it's harder to relate to God because there is a different element at play there. But it's not impossible and I'm not willing to veer far enough down the spectrum to where the easy point for me, and this is how I would judge it, is that it's actually easy to just control the whole entire element of the relationship and to bundle it into an intra-process, which is me controlling both sides of the relationship, which to an extent, and, and this is quite blunt, I guess, but that's 
to the extent that I actually believe that that people are that far enough down the spectrum start to actually enact a reality where there actually isn't a God. There is only themselves and their own projection. Um, that's probably one of the biggest differences, I would think, between similar language usage, but actually different definition. I, I wonder sometimes whether, whether really pushed, whether people go, well, look, there isn't a God, okay? <laughs> it is the crutch Marx to talked about. <laughs> it is just a, you know, a simple way of me just getting by, just this idea that actually I'm not alone and there is something out there that I know damn well there isn't. And so I just read the text and go to the places and, and you know join the communities and work within the systems and do the rituals. It's a it's a self nourishing process through which I just make it through this existential crisis called life. But uh, now potentially I'm putting another tangent on the table that we need to dig into at some point. But you know that's a bit of a long rambling response to what you were saying. Um, Out of all the relational analogies the one that really comes uh the one that really summarizes this in some ways of where we're landing is is the is is the language of a deep committed intimate relationship between two individuals both of who where if anyone stops showing up in the relationship the relationship doesn't work but it doesn't work to such an extent that it's 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 actually not okay for the other person to not show up <laughs> right mm because there's there's a relational commitment between them and i think when we dig into the language of relational union with god the old school thing mm. we're not ending up with a a universal kind of love that doesn't have needs and wants right we're ending mm. up with with a with with a more of a like an eros you know and eros isn't just just sexual intimacy it's also that relational vitality that interest in each other that the, the pool mm. You know, and that the pull that also creates a tension that results in a push, you know, mm. that results in a reaction or ab reaction, right? Mm. Um, and because that is the case, we're we're basically recognizing that there's a continuum in that relationship from the humdrum, the dishes need to get done, the washing needs to get folded, the kids are in the way, you know, works in the way, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all the way through to the we had coffee together and we had this deep connection. You know, through to we were comfortable enough, you know, like we showered together, you know, like that kind of mm. stuff. Like even in some of those things that are mundane, there's an intimacy in them that's not necessarily, you know, just about the sexual in that sense, right? And there's the, there's the range from the mundane through to that deep personal one-on-one -on -one connection. But there's a quality in the relationship that carries all the way through in that mature relationship. And so when we're thinking of the continuum, we're not thinking um, about the ones or at least I'm not thinking about the ones where God isn't showing up in person to go, hey, I want to be seen for who I am. I want you to know me. And I mm. want you to have this clear sense of who I am. And I want the security and the quality of our relationship and our communication to grow between the two of us. You know, like, I want you to hear me. I want you to see me. You know, it's the, it's the kind of relationship where God shows up wanting to be wanted and wanting to be pursued. It's not just the classic, oh no, it's all God and only God gets to show up and God gets to determine. That's that's mm -hmm. a very power dynamic. You know, in a in a couple scenario like this, God may be the capital lover that pursues the beloved, you know, us mm -hmm. with a lowercase. But in a healthy relationship there's a there's reciprocity, so it changes over. 
you know, I become the lover who pursues God with a lowercase and God becomes the beloved who waits, waits to be once, mm. waits to be engaged, you know, wants to be pursued, etc., etc. So there's that dynamic that's in play here. And so on this end of the spectrum of the special relationship, we're talking about something where our human to human relationships, our relationship with ourself enables us to understand our own intimacy issues. You know, very few people that I know have a secure relational connection people are, are, are quite often either um you know they're, they're either in, they're insecurely attached in one way or another and that doesn't come out you don't see it in their public relationships but it comes out in their relationship with a romantic partner and i really feel that that carries over into people's relationship with god and it's it's a something to explore i think it's too big a box for us to explore now but but i think it's a box to explore at some point as well um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if this is also tracking with your your idea of what what you're in, you know, aiming at when it comes to the deeper relational stuff with God. No, no, it is, and, and I think I think that language of lovers really sums it up beautifully. Because on the one hand, I battle because I think I don't like the language of sum up. <laughs> because it sounds too reductive. But I think it's a big enough hook that I can hang my hat on to go. That gives me the best handle here around this process. Second to that, I like the language of, I think, parent-child or intra-family relationships. And I think perhaps alongside that would be the language of relationships between two very good friends who become better and better friends. But there's a consummation in the lover relationship that doesn't exist in, or shouldn't exist in any, especially the family, in any of the other levels. That is, I, I come back to just, you know, this idea of, 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 for example, you know, so in the Hebrew language in the Old Testament of Adam and Eve knowing each other, is this, is this incorporates the idea of the sexual union. So the, there is a consummation there. And it's not necessarily that that's pinnacle, so much as it's a valuable thread that runs through the tapestry of what it means to be intimately intimate. And that language of lovers is something that's really important. And, and, and I love it. I think it's just a really useful handle. And there's a number of angles to that, which I think we have explored tonight and we could continue to explore. The understanding of personhood on both sides. You talk about the power dynamic. It's not a power struggle one to the other. It's not God is always the lover and I am the beloved in a very unidirectional sort of process. There is reciprocity, there has to be. There's a mutual disclosure, mutual meeting of needs. And, and I circle back to you just because I think this is something I would want to keep making that point for. There is a recognition that there really are two persons there. You can't have a deep lover relationship between yourself and an imagined other. Yeah, I mean, it works to a certain extent, but you know, <laughs> yeah, dysfunction springs it, to it, mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 
you know, eventually you're going to be in the bushes with a camera outside that celebrity's window, and then you're going to get arrested. So <laughs> it can't go as far as it needs to between the actual, there are two actual people, persons present. And that's the foundation. And out of that springs the other things. Well, the trick here is that God can be an imaginary friend. You can have a real yeah. relationship with an imaginary God and that God concept can very closely match like a religious ideal, say within Christianity, because you can mm. get that from the conditionalism of spending time there, reading the Bible, etc., etc. But yeah. your relationship is with the idea of God that you've internalized. It's not with the God that is able to draw near and withdraw. Yeah. You know, and that's that, that's that's a challenge here. You know, some people yeah, would go, yeah. God doesn't exist and it's all make believe. Like, you know, that's yeah. one extreme. Like we're not getting into that. On the other on the other extreme, you know, the sense is is people go, No, you relate to God by faith. So you don't need to experience mm -hmm. God. And I think the minute we start getting into that territory, we start getting into the territory of well, what's the difference between like a faithful relationship? as opposed to faith being the substance of the relationship and actually displacing any potential even of a relationship, mm. you know, and, and I'd like to think of God as being the kind of jealous lover that goes, Hey, you've replaced me with an idea of me. Let's get the idea out the way so that yeah. we can reconnect again. <laughs> yeah. Or we could connect for the first time. Cause I think in some cases, you know, especially, especially with, especially given that few people convert to Christianity, most people are raised as Christians and then question whether God is real from within it. Mm. And, and I think it's important to acknowledge that because that's, the, that's a long-standing problem from when Christianity changed from being a movement where people identified as Christian because they that engaged God to Christianity being a cultural identity and a, you know, as part of nation building. And then, mm. then the question of going, well, you're raised as a Christian, so to be a good Christian is to be a good citizen. It's to do the following and believe the following. Okay, well, you do that, but you know, where's the satisfaction of engaging God? Where's the mm. where's the one-to-one -one mm. engagement? Suddenly, the problem is is on the flip side. How do you get people who already identify as Christian to have a meaningful experience of God, as opposed to what do you what what do people call themselves once they've had a meaningful experience of God? You know, and, mm. and, and now the problem is a little bit more complicated because you've got people who whose idea of a Christian doesn't include experiencing God. And then when they start experiencing God, what do they do? And, mm. and, and especially when people's experiences start off at the non-relational side, the synchronicities, the, you know, the accidentals mm. in the general, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they have the sense that God is speaking to them through that. I think that God has this full like range of language but progresses people closer and closer to God, closer and closer to God, meaning closer and closer to the one-on-one -on -one. and not, mm. you know, and not closer cl and closer in the sense of like, oh, well, you just need to change your mind and tune in because God is present everywhere and everywhere and to everyone and everything. Mm. Okay. That's not the same thing as God showing up in personal to give personal attention and be present as a person in person who wants to be known and engaged. You know, um, mm. and and so so I think I think, yeah. What's really important for me is that, is that we don't discount the full range, but we don't allow the lower end of the range to define or dictate or displace the, the the special connection, and and that special not just being the few and far between, 
but the depth of intimacy and the regularity and the consistency that takes the 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 insecurity out and allows the mystery of the continual discovery and deepening of the relationship. Fantastic. I think there's plenty of space and scope to to tease to to return to this conversation almost uh, at a at a reflective level and to tease out some further things and to 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 isolate a couple of elements that need their own conversations almost. But what you've just said there for me lands that in such a brilliant space around not could be and is almost. And, and there's a sense of momentum for me, uh, uh, an encouragement and a, a calling forward to lose those Is it Eckhart, Meister Eckhart, who prays, God, rid me of God? Yes, it's Eckhart, yeah. Yeah, to, to lose the pictures, to lose the lenses, to lose the, the projections, to come face to face with the one that is, to understand, oh, okay, God was not in the fire or the earthquake or the great wind, but there's a calling forward. You know, that's, that's a reference to a... To a a story in the Old Testament in the Christian Bible between God meeting one of God's people. Uh, his name was Elijah, right? <laughs> and, uh, and this moment of experience and these three things happen up front. And somehow this man, Elijah, is able to, to figure out in that moment, oh, okay, that's actually not God. These three tremendous things happen. No, that wasn't God. That wasn't God. That wasn't God. And then there is the God who shows up and speaks. Yeah, and what's important is that he is able to recognize that God is speaking and he's able to acknowledge when God, that God is not in the, in the others. And so that's, that's, that's the, the, the subtlety. I feel like often what happens is is the language of that still small voice again gets projected. And so how does the idea of God speak? Well, through my intuition. Yeah. And so that's the still small voice. Oh, yeah, it's my conscience. You know, yeah. and I, th yeah. I think that's, that's not the case. Like, yes, yes, in the sense of the general box as, you know, creator and sustainer, that is how God speaks. <laughs> but in the sense of like, the one on one God speaks from as, as person to person. No, that's, that's, it doesn't tick that box. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, I like that. You know, I, I feel like this was a much less complicated than last week on one level. <laughs> but on mm -hmm. another level, I think going into these relational nuances, I feel like it's, it's, it's still very complex when we're dealing with God as an abstract. <laughs> I'm with you. I think there's some language that starts to put down some clarity but at the same time is also just a little bit, yeah, not loose, but, but yeah, this abstract, this idea that, that, you, uh, that you talk about there, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I definitely felt like we had, a, we had some really good building blocks that were just coming together relatively solidly. Um, and so I'm left with kind of a, yeah, that, that felt really good, but also what I'd say just now, the sense of, I'd love to reflect on this for a week and perhaps even return to it again or take it a bit further. 
but I think there's a lot of fruitful ground to keep exploring. The relational language is really, really great. I find it so helpful. I, 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 t I totally agree 100% again. I, I feel like, like, you know, we've got the privilege and the opportunity of, of really digging into this, <laughs> you know, between, between each other and, and, and I'm, I'm excited to do that. I, I feel like, like, like a conversation like last week and this week, it, it helps me, it helps me collate my thoughts and my feelings, you know, and it gets out of the, the objection box, you know, because we can actually lend scope to it and develop the idea and, and talk it through mm. instead of mm. being shut down for the suggestion that, you know, like one suggestion or another. Yes, or, you know, I like that. Because because I often feel shut down. I try to, when I'm talking to people, and they're asking me about what I'm meaning and I'm going, I don't have clear language. I'm grappling to something. It becomes an opportunity for them often to go, no, I shut you down because... Mm you know, because of this or because of that, or the language is not clear, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've, I find this very fruitful in terms of helping me clarify some thoughts and then c collate thoughts with you, you know, it becomes, becomes better for the conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I like how you put that. That's really, really helpful because there is space to explore, even if it's not quite right. And even if we're asking questions or whatever, yeah, I also don't get the sense of, no, you can't go there. That's just stupid. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a great exploratory space and there's a lot of freedom and just confidence, I guess. And it's not a confidence in, oh, we're just going to get it right first off. It's a confidence in going, well, we have to dig around <laughs> and let's see what comes up. But the, the anxiety of having to dig in the right spot the first time and unearth the right thing the first time, that's too much. And so that does result in a bit of a shutdown. And along with people just doing the shutdown, no, that's not right, don't tell me that, or you can't be right, or whatever. So yeah, I, I, I just want to echo that fruitfulness if I'm, if I'm doing that, <laughs> what I'm saying. So, it felt great, man, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good place to leave this as an episode, but 